Previously on Vengeance. The letters in the name Gary Rempler begin to shift around, and they do spell Emperor Rackle. Oh! Already? Uh, oh, Magnus is what you're calling yourself these days. You always just give yourself up to the first deity that comes along, don't you? I'm not even sure I know what you're talking about. It's <laughs> like a combination boss, enemy, and therapist. I am going to take the jar of bees out of my... <laughs> <laughs> he is now blinded. I'm going to do something that's never gone wrong. I'm going to shoot an arrow at all these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Take the wrapping off of Lady Gwenda's sword. Hell yeah. It is an executioner style sword. And engraved on the blade are the words, I bear no grudge. That's Ooh. a natural 20. A goo goes rushing down the mountain. <laughs> Carpenter starts singing. <laughs> There's this moment where you seem to be victorious. The bracers, one just like rips off of your arm, a portal appears in the air. I would like to counterspell what he does to take the bracers from Super. Awesome. He does not succeed in uh, getting them. <laughs> you start to hear a murmur as people in the audience start moving again. Maybe they like get a little rowdy and pull Horatius' throne out of the box seat, yeah. puts you in the throne, and goes to the Thieves' Guild and begins pulling sections of the church um, nice. off of the building. Good. I would like to go up into the Thieves' Guild and try to retrieve Sergio. You see that gnome dead. Very characteristic of the effects of the spell, Behold the Dead. <laughs> oh no! I think that's, that makes me just as happy as if I had successfully retrieved him. Okay. <laughs> Keplin, you may recall, was where Pimlin has a gig for a grow operation to clear out oh, some yeah. clear some ghosts out of the hills. Do we want to meet back at the chicken place? He knew every single one of us. Did he not speak about us as if he had interacted with us in the past? Seems like this guy can do anything. Except steal your bracers and I'm gonna have So let's start with the following morning where you all are awoken by a knocking at the door of your suite in the very secure hotel. A loud knocking, a loud, urgent knocking. Is it the kind of suite like in Home Alone 2 where we're all kind of behind one door, but we all have separate rooms? Or are we all in like one big room? The Home Alone one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to answer the door if nobody else is going to. Great. You open the door, and the uh, sort of uh, maitre d' or manager of the hotel uh, looks above you and then down at you <laughs> and says, uh, <laughs> I am so sorry, but there was no stopping them. I'm afraid that quite a crowd has gathered outside. It seems every publisher's guild in town has sent someone along to ask you about your magnificent exploits. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Where are they inside the hotel? They are on our famed veranda. Oh, okay. Our very secure veranda. <laughs> Has anybody woken up? I look back and see if any of my uh, party members have woken up. Hearing the word exploits, there's like a crash, and then Magnus comes into the hallway, like pulling on his socks. <laughs> Magnus, do you wanna you wanna talk to the press? Sure. Uh, I think I'll go knock on Palfrey's doors. Uh, Palfrey is awake and uh, polishing off a tall, cool glass of milk. The uh, <laughs> room service front. He built strong bodies. And he is going to, uh, thank you for the invitation, but uh, he is a little bit, he would be a little bit shy in that context. So he's going to, he's going to let Magnus handle the public relations. 
Oh, great. I'll go along as backup, Agnes, don't worry. Uh, okay, so those of you who are proceeding to the very secure veranda, as you head that way, you hear down the hall, it sounds like booing, but then you realize people are saying, crew, crew. And in addition to whatever members of the press are there, there's just a crowd of adorers which seem to have been following you everywhere. And uh, there's a sort of uh, podium that someone has erected, and you may approach that if you like. Can I make a perception check to see if, like, is there anyone who's, like, at the podium or, like, is trying to control the crowd? There's, like, um, several press members of the press in front. And then there's a sort of perimeter being held by waiters who have a sort of, this is not my job look on their face. And then behind that is, like, a 50 or, or 75 people in a crowd. Okay. Uh, I'm going to turn to Pimla and say, do you want the first word or the last word? I don't want to say anywhere. I'm not a good public speaker, you know? That's why I thieve, hide in the shadows. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'll introduce you. <laughs> and then watch my back while I talk. I feel oh, like of course. Crowd, someone tries to take something from one of us. I got you. So I'll walk up to the podium and be like, oh, good people, good people. The glorious Magnus is here to give you a short word. <laughs> I guess I'll approach the podium after Pimblin and get too close to the microphone and be like, good morning. Sorry, the what? Uh, <laughs> I get too close to the podium, and there's a weird <laughs> resonance that happens when I get that close. <laughs> yeah, so someone has cast a uh, like loudness spell or something. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say good morning. Good morning, everyone says in unison. Hello. Uh, did anyone see Harry Cruz last night? Ah, cool, cool. Uh, I'm happy to take two or three questions. I don't have a lot of time, as you imagine, adventuring is a full-time job. No. Yeah, a, uh, a slick-dressed human man stands up and says, Yeah, Greg Gubbard with the Guildford Gazette. I'd like to start with the question that's on everybody's mind. Uh, how exactly did the Carrot crew manage to defeat that witch at the climax of the battle? Well, you know, adventurers were built different. I can't give away all the trade secrets, but I will say uh, that it took teamwork and dedication, two things that are crucial to learn if anybody out there wants to become an adventurer. Next. Okay. Uh, Ruby Riddle with the Captain Chronicle. Is it true that you planted undercover members of your group in the audience to give yourselves an unfair advantage? Uh, as far as I know, they were never undercover. Like I said, adventurers were pretty easy to see from a distance. They weren't part of the care crew. They simply wanted to take in the show. And, you know, we've got some little intergroup rivalries, and I guess they just got tired of sitting around waiting for us to finish the job. What about the uh, Sferf Neblin and the Elven Monk? Are they just supporting actors? What about that uh, spidery-looking fella? That, I'm sorry, that what? Spidery-looking fella? I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know the race. He's like a fool from the audience. He's a local guy, big fan of ours, always kind of wants to get in on what we're doing, so we just wanted to include him, you know? Uh, Lil Lovett of the uh, Occam Obituaries. What's your response to the rumor that the Carrot crew is responsible for an attempted murderer of Horatia of the Thieves' Guild? And can you explain her disappearance following the arena battle? Uh, those rumors are absolutely unfounded. Uh, Horatia, as you know, she has a lot of business to attend to as someone in charge of a guild. We've met her once or twice, but we have no bearing on her schedule. Thank you for coming out this morning. 
Uh, one last question, please, if you don't mind. I've come from far away. Uh, this is Arlo Angus with the Aguilar Argus. Uh, what's next for the Kara crew? Where and when can your fans expect to see you in action next? Uh, well, well, you know, we go where the wind takes us, uh, where the jobs take us, really. You know, we're always looking for uh, new adventures to go on, but I would expect it wouldn't be too long before we'd be back in Guildford again. So keep your eyes and ears open, folks. <laughs> Uproarous applause. Can I make a perception check on the crowd? Sure. Uh, that would be a uh, 12. Uh, with the 12, you see among the press is a sort of uppity-looking elf man who seems just, like, not at all impressed with anything you just said. Okay. I'm going to keep an eye on him, like, as I'm talking to Pimlin and kind of, like, waving to the crowd a few times as I head back into the hotel. Okay. Uh, I think you would see, like, there seems to be a waiter dedicated to him in particular and who immediately brings him some tea as soon as things sort of disperse. Okay. And he seems, seems to, like, be sort of a high roller. Okay, I'm gonna turn to Pimlin and say, uh, you were, you've you been in Guildford before. Do you recognize that guy? I don't know. Let me see. I'm gonna roll a perception. Is that sure. the right one? It's... I think it's reasonable to say that you would not have recognized this person. Alright. Um, but I think it, I would take a history roll to see if you could deduce anything from their appearance. It's a 19 for history. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this guy has the city of High Lake written all over him. Yeah, which you know to be an elven city that's sort of a wealthy enclave uh, with an emphasis on smithcraft. So what's the move? Are there any supplies we need to get on our way out of town? Actually, I'll answer that. Magnus wants to go to the magical trinket store. Cool. Uh, you're there, and uh, Tierney comes out from behind the couch and says, Hey, Magnus, your name's all over town, buddy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a new feeling for me for it to be positive. Are we all at the store? Like, did we all go with Magnus or did she go by herself? Up to you. Yeah, I would have gone. I don't need to buy anything, but I do like the store. Um, <laughs> so I would have I would have gone. Uh, I was wondering if I could make a, I guess a perception check would be it. Like, I know that when we saw Tierney one of the other times, he did that flickering thing. And I guess I would have gone, and since I wasn't buying anything, I want to have, like, watched him closely the whole time to see if I noticed that happen again. Sure. Oh, not very good perception. Just a nine. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I'll play it this way. I think both you and Magnus, especially Magnus, since you just were, like, very close to him, I think, like, your hair kind of stands on end a little bit around this dude. Like, both of you. There's just, like, a... And I think, and I actually, I haven't, I haven't been describing each time you go there, but whenever you go in there, there's like a, like a vroom, and like a two, one or two second long period of nausea when you cross the threshold into his tent. Okay. What other cities do you have stores in? Yeah, I would say if you had a map, perhaps if the city's name is in all caps, I might be there. Oh, okay. That's a good way to think about it. Except for landforms. I'm thinking back to the map that I saw recently. Landforms in all caps. I might not have a location. Huh. <laughs> Are you thinking about expanding your business into landforms? Not especially. I'm referring to like woods, for example. <laughs> I mean, no. Imagine you just popping out behind a tree in the middle of a forest, and it was very funny. <laughs> hey, I like your style. Are you going to buy anything else? Nope, and I get the feeling you want us to leave. Always good to see you. <laughs> I'd like to top off my rations back to 30 days. Great. Is there like an apothecary or like somewhere I can buy light 
Like not. Oh, sure. please. There's an apothecary. <laughs> it's Guildford. Of course, of course. What am I saying? I want to see if I can pick up some like not like health potions, but like something that can assist in just like stabilizing a person for like emergency situations. Hmm. Okay. I would say there's a, a wheatgrass distillation that when you give it to someone, uh, you have advantage on medicine checks uh, in helping them. Awesome. It is one gold per piece. One gold per piece. All right. And for 18 days rations, how many gold would that be? Uh, rations are five silver piece a day. Nine gold? Yes. Cool. Anything else for this shopping montage? Just as we're getting ready to go, I would like to give Palfrey the drift globe that I acquired that can produce light. I feel like it's better if he has it on him and can dictate when he sees things. Thank you. Do we have whereabouts of the wagon we were using? Is that gone? I don't know, man. I think we've, well... Which one? The one that you left a dead man on in the wreckage of Occam, or the? Oh, no, 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 no. I think I thought we we pulled a bunch of our gold yeah, in the wagon yeah. to the very yeah. secure hotel. It was a mining cart, and yes, yeah, yes, Ooh, you have a mining cart. I have a pony. Let's not forget. And a pony, yes. And what is that pony's name? Oh no, I don't know that I ever named the pony. Oh well, now's a great time if if you feel the inclination. Well, well actually, I want to I want to put this to Hemo. Like you're our animal guy. What would you mm. name a horse? I wouldn't name a horse. We, we, we discussed this. I would wait until the horse told me who he was. <laughs> okay, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to let the horse communicate to Hemo when the horse is ready. What the horse's name? I think you should call it Patience. <laughs> or perhaps Forget-Me-Not. <laughs> I, I think I'll go with Patience in the meantime. <laughs> patience in the meantime is like a derby horse name. <laughs> <laughs> it's all one word. Do we want to yeah. buy a new wagon or do we want to take this... I, mean, I think thematically that the mining card is pretty phenomenal. I think that it really suits us as a party, kind of a make it work type thing. It shows our resourcefulness. It would be an instant icon to those who look upon us. But I can see the benefits of getting a wagon and why they are used for what they're used for. It is kind of the intended purpose. Uh, though one will probably have to be pulled by beasts of burden, the other by, like, horses. I don't know what's going to be. It's, it's fun to watch everyone's politeness erode as you go on. <laughs> In this case, I was actually paying attention to the details. I wanted to know what kind of shopping list I needed to put together. I was really looking for a pros and cons list. <laughs> I, I think that we should shoot for maximum jank in our uh, wag. So I think we should go with the minecart because it is the jankiest option that we have available to us. Is there a discreet counter within the hotel where you can exchange non-money golden items for money? Why, of course, for a reasonable fee. At this point, tell you what, if you forgive us about the bathrobes at the fight, we'll pay your reasonable fee. Oh no, I'm selling those suckers heading over fist, baby. I owe you. Oh, well then I think I think there's no fee to our exchange then. Hmm. Can I make a persuasion check? Sure. Tell you what, if you forgive us for the bathrooms that we destroyed while we were here in this hotel. <laughs> uh, 13. Yeah, okay. I think... Uh... He says, just make sure you stay here next time you're in town, please. Of course. You can even put a preferred hotel of the carrot crew on the sign if you want. I may have already done that. <laughs> I hope that ages well for you. <laughs> yes, I'd like to swap out uh, with maybe Pimlin as my like expert at the exchange counter, making sure that we get a fair deal. And if there's anything mm. that I think shouldn't be exchanged, not exchanging it. 
Yeah, I'll keep an cool. eye out for any thieving hands. Cool. Yeah, I think we, you could, we could reasonably assume that all, all your fungible goods have been turned into gold pieces at this point. So I actually think I want to pick up some stud leather, light armor, mm. to increase my AC a little bit. Very nice. I think it's 45 gold pieces. That's what I see here, yeah. I think any, any leather that Pimlin wears is studded leather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we assume for all intents and purposes, since it's not listed, that a fox would cost about as much as a donkey or mule? Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. I would like to get two ox for the cart. Cool. Their names are Ollie and Oxen Free. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So am I to understand that six of you are sitting somehow in a mining cart being pulled by two oxen with a pony trailing somewhere behind or something like that? What's what's your what's your uh, bearing? I think maybe that I, I would like to ride the pony in the in the manner of genuine, and uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe I should go in front just to sort of like keep an eye out and be a little more mobile. Cool. Unless Hemo wants, maybe Hemo should go in front. He's always he's always scouting around. Yeah, and, and Rusty will kind of stay behind, back by the carts, because he, he's never trusted me. So, <laughs> cool. are the rest of you sitting in the mining cart then? I, I am also walking. For a little while, I walk up front with Hemo, and then I kind of like fall to the back, and I just am kind of like milling around. Every once in a while, I go sit in the cart. Like find a cool rock. Yeah. <laughs> I think Magnus committed to the cart before he knew it'd be just him and Gebetto, and now he's looking <laughs> walkingly at what everybody else is doing as we <laughs> Pimlin's gonna be in the cart, but he wants to be like on top, not in the cart, but like squatting on the corner, you know, kind of like a gargoyle. Like a yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as a 25 acrobatics, if you wanted me to roll to stay up there, so. You, uh, no, you're good. That's, okay. that's wonderful. You, you've you've enriched the fiction we're weaving together here. <laughs> okay, um, as you're leaving the outskirts of town, Gibetto, uh you are hailed. There's like a young person in the robes of a new acolyte of Church of the Immaculate Hammer, and they're calling after you, and they rush up to you, and they hand you something uh, wrapped in burlap, and they say, uh, Oh, man, uh, a, a gift, gift from Opic to you. I was mighty considerate. Send my, uh, it's not condolences. What's the thing that you send when you're happy? Gold. <laughs> I'm gonna put six gold in the person's hand. Oh, shit. This church is awesome. Thanks. <laughs> and they run away. Uh, and in the burlap, you find a note from Opic that says, it's been a while since I've made anything myself, but I wanted to make sure that these unusual materials uh, got an exceptional use. And uh, inside is a small holy symbol, an amulet that you can immediately tell is made from your cheek meat metal and inter interspersed with the steel bloom from the wreckage of Occam. Uh, and it's in the shape of a phoenix holding a hammer in its claws. Oh, oh, that's tight. All right. Rather than remove my personal holy symbol, I'm just going to add it, Mr. T style. <laughs> Um, okay, so looking at the world map, this journey will take you through northward along the River Fleet, uh, through the Wither Wastes, and uh, past the Halfling Town of Byfleet into Keplin proper. Um, are there any areas, anything in particular about that stretch that you want to be looking out for? I kind of want to just montage this travel so we can get, get where we're going here. I'm interested in the, at least like going through the outskirts of the Halfling Town because as far as halflings, like, 
I've met Himlin, and I've also met those like hippie ones up at the top of the mountain, right? So I'm, I'm very curious about what halflings are like, because those are my two friends of reference. <laughs> yeah, so I think you would quickly deduce that the hippie, hippie-ish ones you met earlier, uh, that is kind of the vibe in Byfleet. It's, uh, I'm imagining sort of a, uh, a whitewater rafting resort town in West Virginia or something like that. Like that, that's kind of the vibe here. There are drum circles, there are dreadlocks, there is a lot of boat making and raft making. Clouds of pipe weed hang in the air. As you pass uh, nearby fleet, uh, you pass through a wooded area and your way is suddenly blocked by a uh, cart. It's a large sort of box-shaped cart with canvas rolled down over all the sides of the back of it. And you see two bodies lying in the road um, on either side near the front of the cart. As someone who comes from a tourist town and knows all the problems that come with highly trafficked areas, I think I'm instantly suspicious of whether this is a trap. Bring the ox to a slow halt. I was going to say I immediately run up to one of the bodies to see if it's alive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so um, getting up close, you can see uh, there's a man and woman, uh, maybe middle age or maybe a little past middle age. And uh, they look like they've maybe been dead for maybe half a day or something like that. And uh, they do bear the distinct marks that you would associate with the spell Told the Dead. Oh, no. The stinger. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but my entire experience of Told the Dead is from seeing Sergio do it. So probably for all Palfrey knows, the only person who can do that is, or, you know, there may be others who can do it, but the only person I've ever seen do it is Sergio. And we know he's not where we left him. So I, I feel like Palfrey would be immediately suspicious that Sergio was involved. I don't know why you guys are so concerned about a statue. Statues don't get up and walk away. Somebody took it for their manor hall. What is important is that we need to check there's a way to identify these folks and also probably bury them. I mean, like, we don't really do burials in the Underdark because it's largely stone, but like... I'm gonna cut him off and say, Suka, what do your elf eyes see? Can I uh, take out my truth loop? Use it here? Sure. Ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, so you're just kind of generally surveying the scene? Yeah. This thing? So yeah. You pull out your, your jeweler's glass and put it to your eye and you look around. So nothing looks particularly unusual to you, except in the same way that, that like an, an airport security person would see a metal thing loud and clear in like a x-ray scanner. You see uh, a large coin, a Chthonic subcommittee coin, a kami in one of Pimlin's pockets. And it, I'm trying to think of how this would happen visually. If you're able to see into the ethereal plane, you see that that coin is present in both the material plane and the ethereal plane. It appears to have a connection to the ethereal plane. Okay, cool. And in fact, in the ethereal plane, you would see sort of a wisp of light trailing off like up into the sky and like far away. Okay, cool. Do I see any like anything specific on the bodies or anything like that? Nothing related to no, the bodies. I think um, you would see, I mean, I guess I'm not totally read up on like the differences in the planes and stuff, but I, I think you would maybe see some sort of like residue of magic near their, their heads, like told the dead is like a brain okay. spell. So. You'd see that, I guess. I like the. I like that you would get like maybe a little bit of thermal vision. I think you would see a, a small bit of, of heat rising from the back portion of the cart, which remains covered in canvas. Okay. Um, c- can I ask a, a question, uh, which you may answer in whatever level of detail you see fit? What are the physical markings left by Toll the Dead? Like what, mm-hmm. when you say we recognize the effects of Toll the Dead, what are we actually? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm trying to think. I always, I always deferred to Chris, and I think Chris always described it as like slight compression of the cranium and like goo coming out the ears kind of thing. Okay. No. Yeah. Do you relay even the stuff about the coin and pin? No, no. I, I, I don't tell anybody about the coin. Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of keep that knowledge to myself. Okay. I would like to search the dead bodies. No, I was going to do that. So oh, go well, for it. I'll search one. You search the other of the dead bodies' pockets on the material plane. <laughs> okay. You find uh, ten gold uh, in one of the pockets. You find a dagger, which actually, Chibetto, this dagger appears to be of the same make as. Uh, boy, where did you get a dagger? You got a dagger off of Flimnap. Yeah. It had a mark on it that you didn't recognize. And this has that same mark, and it appears to be sort of shoddily made. Could they have been transporting Sergio? I mean, anything is possible, but we would see the statue here, so... Does anybody want ten gold? Yes. I do. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One more thing you find. Uh, Magnus, you find uh, a scroll that is a letter of introduction to someone named Reldrasal in Chabum. And it is signed with the name Gilas, uh, D-J-I-L-A-S. Okay. Can I read the letter? Can I read? No. Can I read the letter to see just what it says? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's It seems to be sort of a form letter. These people carry the goodwill of the realm of Gilas the Powerful uh, and may conduct any business in his stead. Okay. Do I recognize that name, like Gilas the Powerful? Make a check. No, not the the powerful part, but you made a joke in like the second session about someone named Tommy Gillis in Stone's Throw. Yeah. Uh, and so I've made that a real person now. Oh my god. Uh, so you would recognize that name from your hometown of Stone's Throw. This is bad news. I'm gonna show the letter to the group and explain that connection of like this was just a small time bully when I knew him, but the name is not that common. It's gotta be the same person. He's going to visit the shadowy merchant, Reldrasol. Yeah. Can I ask also a clarifying question? The symbol on these blades, the unifying symbol, is it on the blade or the hilt? Uh, it is on the blade near the hilt. Got it. Okay. I'm going to keep the dagger intact, tuck it into my pack. Cool. Anyone want to check the wagon? Let's check the wagon. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I'm going to go to the wagon and throw back the canvas or whatever is on there. Okay. Uh, make a constitution saving throw. Oh, it's well. Yeah, that's a seven. Oh, sorry. Uh, I got a three. It's a ten. It's a ten. A lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I think I think you stagger back as uh, the an overwhelming stench of orc filth passes over you, and uh, before you is a large metal cage on wheels full of a dozen or so orcs, adults and children, uh, and they appear to be fearful, and it's as if they have been keeping quiet. Um, do I know whether or not orcs be common? I speak orc. I'm oh, half orc. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to come around so they can all see me. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think they lighten at the sight of you. They can they can tell that you are half orc. Okay. In orcish, I'd like to ask them, uh, who were these people and why have they done this to you? Uh, they would tell you that Gillis the Powerful is rounding up all the orcs around Stone's Throw and is selling them into slavery. I think as soon as I hear that, I'm like taking my hand axe and I'm gonna just break this lock. Hell yeah, make an attack. Okay. Uh, that would be a 23. Yeah, I'd say I don't, I don't need damage from me. I'd say that that opens. And I think that 
display of decisiveness is enough to um, allay their fears and they step out of the cart. How long has he been doing this? Just the last uh, six months or so. How many of you are left? I mean, is this like a total takeover? We had been in hiding for weeks before they found us, and we've been we've been scattered to the hills, and we're not sure how many have been taken and how many are still in hiding. Sorry, I'm missing a great opportunity to do an orc voice. We're not sure how many are still in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever came up with a name for my mom. Nope. I want to ask if they know if my mom is okay. Uh, that's, that's not a name I recognize. You always did like to travel. <laughs> what happened to these people who were transporting you? We're not sure. We were all sleeping, and uh, all of a sudden, the cart stops. Well, I'll just I'll help them out of the cage one by one. I'm sure they want to get out of there. So yeah, and I'll I'll relay to the party what they told me. Uh, while you're kind of going over that, I'm going to turn to is it just Suka? Suka, you you know Crested Digitation, yes? I do. You unsoiled their clothes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have no idea what they've been saying. I, should, I, I want them to know that we want them healthy and well. Yeah, um, I would like to ask one of them if that's okay. I don't just want to, like, make them clean if they're, like, uncomfortable. Like, they're, they've been used to people, like, hoarding them, doing all these things for them. So I'd like to say, would you like me to clean your clothing for you? Uh, they politely decline. <laughs> this is this is kind of our vibe, <laughs> but we appreciate the gesture. Hey, folks! This is Luke Brevort, your host and dungeon master, and today I'm speaking to you as uh, one of the orcs that was just rescued because I have the voice for it because I am very sick. Uh, I'm sick. The orc is not well. I guess the orc could be sick. They've just had a rough time of it. Uh, Both the orc and I are sick. And we're here to tell you thanks for listening to session 30 of Vengeance. The show is edited and sound designed by me, Luke Brevort. Our theme song is Castles in Winter by Joel Van Drogenbroek. All other music is by me. The website for my sound work is splendorsound.com. And you can email the show at vengeancepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, uh, 30 episodes does feel like a milestone, doesn't it? I'd just like to take a moment to thank you, the listener, for listening to the show. I was curious and I ran the numbers. And if you've listened to every episode up to this point, you've given 34 and a half hours of your time to taking in this show. And it just makes me smile to know that people are taking that kind of time to enjoy it. So thank you. Thank you. If you enjoy the show enough to have stuck with us that long, hey, I would just love to trouble you for a moment of your time. If you could pull up your listening app real quick and give us a five-star rating, it goes a really long way towards getting the show in front of new listeners. It just takes a couple taps. Um, Another thing you could do is share the show with a friend who might enjoy it, who hasn't heard it before. Now that there's so much of the darn thing, uh, it's a great time for folks to get into it. They can tear right through it. If they have 34 and a half hours to kill, we've got them covered. Uh, So spread the word if you could. That would be great. Uh, But Anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening, and uh, I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye. The orcs are sort of milling around, looking sort of awkward, like they're sort of at your mercy. They're not sure what to do. Um, do they have, are there like, we look through the cart and see if the orcs had effects that were separated from them? Like, it, do they have any sort of gear? If we were to turn them loose now, would they make it very far? So they just have the clothes on their backs, um, but you are less than an hour outside of the town of Byfleet. Okay. Not far from civilization. Okay. I mean, I think Magnus at least would want to escort them back to the city, even if it's 
out of our way. How many of them are there? How many orcs total? Uh, let's say there's 10. I would like to give each of them a gold piece. Cool. I think through Magnus, they would communicate that um, that's enough to kind of put them up for the night in uh, Byfleet and they can make their way. Well, I guess they're going to have to find a new home now because their old home isn't safe. Yeah. I think I'm also like, as I'm talking with them, I'm also going to turn to the party and say, we're already on our way to do our next mission, but at some point I'm going to stone's throw and you can come with me or you don't, or you can do something else, but these are my people. And I wasn't raised with them because of the choices of my parents made, but they're still my people and I have to help. Them. I'll join you. I will say they do seem formidable and capable on their own, but I understand concern for one's own. Well, I think Tommy Gilles has gotten a little too powerful and I'd like to at least change that. So you said at some point you're going? Yes. Uh, well, since that seems very not concrete, I will promise to come along too. Pretty straightforward application of the principles of chivalry. So I will, of course, go along with it when the time comes. Yeah, I guess Pimlin will come along too. Yeah, Pimlin, you'd be perhaps uh, distracted by the fact that you're now firmly in halfling territory here. And as you continue on the road up alongside the river towards the town of Kepton, it's a pretty idyllic idyllic scenery all around you. It's a pastoral landscape. You see houses burrowed into the sides of hills. You see charming round doors. You see a cease and desist letter from Tolkien's estate. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, the, the road winds through this pastoral landscape and, and comes eventually to the uh, town, really, of Kepton which is dominated by a large wooden hall at its center. It seems to be sort of a center of business. You see a sign for a pub called the Green Flagon and many other welcoming facades. I'd like to go to the pub. Yeah, I assume this is where we should stay. It, like, what time of day is it by the time we arrive there? I think we're approaching evening at this point. Yes, we probably want to seek out accommodations. Maybe not as secure now that we don't have a bunch of, like, gold ornaments. Yeah, we could stay in adequately secure hotel yeah so uh you're uh, you're greeted at the door by uh tavern keeper who uh says oh i'd be happy to uh give you accommodations if that's what you're looking for yes you know it's i have to look this up every time someone comes in it's a real shame do people not come to visit very often no all all the time my memory it's just good uh three gold for the lot of you per night and like stabling for your animals and stuff. Okay, I'll put it up. Um, but yes, a uh, lively uh, tavern opens before you. Uh, there's a mix of uh, mostly halflings, but a few uh, humans, maybe an odd elf here and there. Round of drinks, settling in for the evening. Yeah. Yep. Is there like a corner booth that we can tuck into where we can observe and listen, but be out of the way to not disturb the flow of conversation amongst regulars? Conveniently, yes. Nice. That was such a specific list. <laughs> I'd like to make a perception check, just kind of listening for any conversation that might have something to do with the reason why we're here. Sure. Like misattributing things that are clearly from the reason why we're here. Uh, that's an at one. So. <laughs> hmm. I think maybe someone catches you like dropping eaves a little bit. Okay. Says, hey now, uh, you bear a strong resemblance to the portrait of the half-orc that was featured in uh, Ruby Riddle's article in the Captain Chronicle this morning. Uh, could it be that you're a member of the Carrot Crew? You know, you're the third person so far today to say that. I haven't seen this article. Do you have a copy? 
Oh, uh, yes, let me ask around. Has anyone got a copy of today's paper, then? Uh, now, are you trying to convince them that you are not this person? I'm going to look at the group, like, should I say You should read the article and then decide. Okay. So I guess, I guess for now I'm trying to imply that I am not. Okay, I don't think we've had a deception check this entire campaign. So okay. please, deception check. Ooh, that's a 23. Oh no, my God. Uh, 24, actually. Okay, so um, I'm not, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll hand it to you. How, how is it that despite attracting the intention of most of the bar and most of the bar sees him hand this thing to you, like how is it that you maintain your cover? I think as he's turning away, before he like calls out, I'm gonna take a very tiny pair of glasses out of my pocket. <laughs> Are they Gibettos? Yeah. Yeah. I just take my sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. I just take your sunglasses and put them on, and sort of hunch like I'm implying that I'm like older than I look. <laughs> so she has written a um, like inflammatory gossip piece. Um, outright accusing you guys of the attempted murder and possible actual murder of Horatia from the Thieves Guild. Yeah, as I'm reading over it, I'm going to be like, oh, I wish you'd told me that this was what this person was being accused of before you said I looked like him, friend. Uh, well, you know, uh, Ruby Riddle uh, has a bit of a wagging tongue and a bit of an active imagination. And uh, I think everyone takes what she writes with the big old grain of salt. So. Well, that's certainly good to know, and I uh, slide it down the bench to the next person, like, you know, get a load of that. Oh, I love Sudoku. <laughs> in, in fairness, I did attempt to murder her once. But we saved her life. I think once the tension over us has passed, I'd like to sort of say in a low voice to the group, you know, I'm just confused. Which time is she referring to? Because, <laughs> like, the time in the tower, no one knows about that. The time in the arena, everyone knows about that, but like that was part of a stage show, as far as anybody knows. Yeah, but I think it, if you were a bystander, it'd be very difficult to discern what was part of the show and what was not part of the show. Also, there was nobody around to see except for the students in the tower who came in and saw us over <clears throat> nearly lifeless corpse of their headmaster, uh, whom they trust and probably adored and had a healthy respect and fear for, I would assume. You know how word spreads through young minds. Very memeable occurrence, the near death of the headmaster. Yeah, and they're nothing but spin artists, those thieves. I mean, I, I would imagine the Thieves Guild is not gonna be overly scrupulous with the truth when they present their public statement. Timlin is right here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would argue with that. I, I feel like I'm on I'm wondering, here. I'm not a huge fan of the Thieves Guild. Uh, well, as long as this article's out in the world, perhaps it's better we kept a low profile I'm going to point to Palfrey's orange. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not coming off now. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe you're getting chatted up by uh, like some carrot farmers. Like, oh, do you represent uh, seed company or some such? Uh, in a manner of speaking, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly a carrot supporter. Uh, I'm, I would classify myself as a leading consumer of carrots. Uh, <laughs> and I have nothing but affection for carrots and the people who grow carrots. And if you're in the carrot growing trade, friend, then you're all right by me. All right, and a big toast. Yeah, the carrots. <laughs> it's entirely likely that we might want to invest in clips of some sort. Yeah. A compromise. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. In polite conversation, put the carrot away. <laughs> that's the best episode title I've heard yet. <laughs> uh, any other 
actions this evening in the tavern, or are you retiring for the evening? Cool. Honk shoe, honk shoe. What's your move in the morning? Do we have more precise instructions? Yeah, to recap, the information that um, Pimlin got from his contact Drumlow was that there's a region to the west of the Keplin uh, called the Herd Hills, which seems to be a, a rich farmland, and basically they would love to grow more pipeweed there, but it seems to be inhabited by ghosts of some kind. And the only information they have is that there may be some sort of object in those hills that is responsible for the presence of the ghosts and the trouble they cause. So the gig was get rid of the ghosts by any means necessary, period. Okay. Oh, and sorry, the contact in this area was Master Kep, who is the primary foot of the land. Do any of us know how to get rid of ghosts? I'm very glad you asked. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I know that I have a tendency to be long-winded, but in all actuality, one of my primary functions as a cleric is to ensure that you are no longer of this plane, stay where they're supposed to be. Uh, I don't know that I've encountered any ghosts yet, but can I make like a some sort of role to know what I might know? Sure. Um, since it's tied to your cleric, I would say religion would be the role. Oh, I'm good at that. I would certainly hope so. Also, I think it's a large assumption to assume that they are indeed ghosts. Just because they say they're ghosts doesn't mean they are. 19. Yeah, so I guess since this is a, like, you have Destroy Undead, right? And you just acquired that recently. So it stands to reason that you would have gained this information from, like, research or something rather than practical experience. So I think, basically, you've read accounts written by other clerics who have dealt directly with ghosts. So you know that you can't deal with big bad ghosts. You can deal with as many little ghosts as you care to. Gotcha. As a person, I know. But do you think yes. you would know about the magical weapons thing? Yeah, I think that stands to reason. So many of the finer qualities of ghost fighting involve having specified vials of oils or waters that you could use to, you know, coat blades. Uh, things like uh, magical weapons, typically their incorporeal nature makes them hard to pin down in a quite literal sense. Um, if you try to like stake one somewhere to keep it from drifting off, it will just pass through the stake. It's quite infuriating. Uh, there's been many tales from other clerics in my church, the one back in the Underdark, who have experienced ghosts, typically ghosts of actual family of theirs with the high mortality rates. It's incredibly harrowing. Um, there's a lot of turn. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask Pimlin if he thinks it's worth maybe talking to the tavern keeper about any sort of local stories about that area, or if we should keep this and just go talk to your contact. Uh, well, you know, we can talk to the tavern keeper. These aren't my kind of happenings, though. You know, I grew up in an urban area, so <laughs> yeah. I've never seen these type of happenings. I'm very curious. <laughs> so let's go. Uh, <laughs> we can go talk to him. Okay. Yeah, I think the reaction you're getting from the halflings around here is mostly one of intimidation. <laughs> like, they're intimidated by you. I mean, freaking studded leather armor. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> so so what are you saying to the cavern keeper? The cavern keeper. The tavern keeper. Just telling him that we heard, we heard rumors along the journey that there were possibly undead creatures in this area, and just as we're traveling through, we want to know what we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Hurt Hills... 
or a fearsome place, and only a fool goes there. You know, that, that would be the richest pipeweed fields in Keplin if that witch wasn't there. There's a witch. That's what they say. Those who live over that way say they hear uh, some wailing on the wind of a, of a woman's voice. Uh, have you seen any, like, this is going to sound strange, but statues of people? Uh, they're very lifelike depictions <laughs> traveling through here. Statues traveling? Well, you know, on the back of a cart, or maybe some, like, large object covered up and came to you on the back of a cart. Hmm. Nothing such as that. I mean, uh, Master Kep uh, has commissioned many statues of himself to surround his hall over the years. But uh, I've not seen any additions recently. All right. Have you had any other travelers not from around here stop by lately? Possibly ones you would categorize as creepy? You know, there was a, uh, a caravan of slavers who came through. And, of course, Master Kep sent them on their way, slavery being quite illegal in the Keplin. That's good to hear. It's the first time many of our people have seen an orc. There was quite a crowd. Hmm. You know exactly where this witch is? Well, the, the thing about the Herd Hills is they're clear as you like during the day, and you can walk all over them, but uh, come evening, a mist rolls in, and if you're among them, you lose your way, and you're never heard from again. Seems to be the trend. Hmm. It's marked very clearly by where the farms end, and the desolation begins. All right. I think once we've departed from the tavern keeper, I'm going to say, should you perhaps alone go meet with your contact? I don't want to draw attention. Yeah, that's a smart move. Yeah, what do you uh, what do you guys want me to find out from him? What's the specifics of the job? Like, we know that we're going in for kind of a, a, a line brawl with ghosts, but like... And can he offer us any specialized supplies? Yes, is there perhaps a power-up that frightens ghosts, you know, to run away from you? Yeah. yeah, is there like, and what's the deal with the witch also, if there's a witch? Yeah. Okay, I'll go meet with him if he's around. Okay, given the story about the statues you got from the tavern keeper, it'd be obvious that the large wooden hall at the center of the town, which is in fact surrounded by stone sculptures of a larger-than-life halfling uh, engaged in innumerable feats of thievery. And uh, proceeding upward, there are guards who challenge you and uh, ask who you are and what your business is. Oh, you know, my name's Tim. I'm just here to see a friend. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. Uh, then, of course, you'll have the password. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, there is no password. And I'm going to show my letter very quickly to them from from uh, Cool. Uh, yeah, that, that is enough. It bears a seal that they recognize um, and they let you in. And uh, they throw open the large wooden double doors. And all this is, like, ridiculously large size. Like, it's not even, like human-sized stuff with halflings in it. It's, like, bigger than human stuff. Like, it's, it is humorously large. And uh, you walk in, and there's a prominent throne at one end, which even from a distance you can see uh, is notched as if someone's been, like, sort of nervously, like, cutting it with a blade or just, like, absentmindedly <laughs> defacing their own property. Um, but it is empty, and you are standing in this empty hall with no one else apparently in it. Hmm. I look around, is there any more doors? Like hidden doors that I might touch upon? That I like rub my hands down the wall? Roll perception. Or inve actually, investigation is closer to what you're doing. Uh, 14. Okay, uh, you do notice <laughs> there are like trap doors and like false walls and stuff everywhere. No, no. All right. <laughs> and uh, actually, make a deck save. 
15. Okay. You feel the rapier pulled out of its sheath at your side. And if you turn around, uh, there is a halfling facing you, holding the rapier out in front of you with a wry smile on his face. And this guy, he's wearing like fine cloths, but they're like unkempt and even like like wrinkled and, and there might be some holes and tears here and there. But he's just smiling at you coyly and says, I would expect more from a thief such as yourself. Well, it's, it's been a little, I haven't, haven't done a lot of thieving lately. It's been a lot of just like guarding gold. So anyways, that's a mighty skill of you. I uh, didn't hear you at all. Drumlow, I presume. <laughs> uh, Drumlow is actually the dude you met in a tavern in Guildford who gave you this gig. This fellow would seem to be Master Kep, who is the, the sort of uh, end person of the Kepler. Okay. Well, what kind of work were you expecting me to do for you? Well, I was hoping you would uh, deal with the witch. As was agreed, I understand we're in for 50 gold with you, so uh, I hope you're up for it. Yeah, you know, I was hoping that we could talk about this witch for a second. All the information's been pretty vague. Let me address you from my throne. And he, like, spins behind a column and, like, disappears and then, like, reappears behind the throne. You hear, like, the, the clatter of a trapdoor, and he, like, climbs into this throne, and uh, he's, like, spinning the rapier in his hand and says, well, what do you want to know? When did she appear? How long ago? You know, I haven't been here all that long myself, but uh, from what the local people say, she's sort of always been there. You'll probably be wanting this back, won't you? He tosses the rapier to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It makes sense that the witch is getting mad because you're encroaching on its land. So it's a fair point. There's also in this area ghosts as well. Yeah. So my theory is it's all this one witch or whoever it is, whatever's making the wails we can hear on the night air, and uh, I think she just sends things out to spook people and keep them away. And you know, I understand our deal has it so that whatever you find in there, you can keep for yourself, but. Uh, if it had been me negotiating and not Drunlow, I would have said that you had to go 50-50 because it's got to be something great she's got in there that lets her do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, or it's just cursed. Also that. Have the ghosts been known to harm people? Or are they just more of a Scooby-Doo ghost? <laughs> oh, you're a Scoob fan as well. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely cartoon strip in our local paper. I didn't realize you got it down in Guildford. Anyways, now it's it's mysterious because uh, people see wisps of things in the mist that rolls over the land, but mostly it's that people go into that place and they don't come out. It may be overblown. I mean, hopefully it's an easy gig for you, but uh, I do hope you've got some skills in dealing with uh, supernatural things. Yeah, so that's the uh, that's another question I have for you. We don't really have a whole lot of tactics against ghosts. Is there any way that you can help us out with that? You know, uh, I was going to suggest that you talk to Gilly. Gilly, she uh, she minds the West Watch, which is sort of the, our border with this area, and uh, her farm is closest to the hills. Almost certainly, she's got something. She's just about the most reliable person I've got. All right, all right. Well. Uh... Thanks, Captain. And I'm going to walk out. Same to you. Uh, and uh, make a deck save. Ooh, 24. Ooh, uh, you uh, catch his hand as he's about to uh, steal a dagger off of you. <laughs> See, not so slow after all. <laughs> all right. That's good. I feel better about this mission. He disappears in a trap door. 
What a weirdo. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm gonna go back to the party and just relay everything that I heard. You gotta work that out for us. Yeah, I think we should see Gilly, though, for sure. Yeah. So, while uh, Pimlin is off doing this, uh, Suka is, is concerned about the ghosts um, because it seems like her primary mode of attack is not going to be very useful. So, I'm like going through all my notebooks that I have in my messenger bag, trying to see if I can learn anything at all about ghosts. Would I have known anything about that from the my studies at the monastery? Like, is that something I could have learned about? For sure. Um, it's not the word I want, but I think religion is the closest check to, to what we're after here. Okay. Man, I'm having bad luck today. That would be a seven. Okay. Too close to me. Yeah. Hemo's luck is running off on me. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think uh, it's not really something that was in the purview of study of where you were. Well, I'm feeling very anxious. I, I tell the group that I'm feeling very anxious about this fight because I don't feel like I will be able to help us very much. I mean, the bracers are magical, right? So if what Gebetto said earlier about magical weapons is true, you should at least be able to defend yourself. That's true. I believe in Suka. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I believe Suka is going to find a way to break these ghosts' asses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so so the move is to go see Gilly? Yeah. Cool. My God, I don't have a cliffhanger for you. For once, it'll just be... Well, I mean, Gilly's going to be amazing, right? So we have that. Yeah. It's nice to have, like, a somewhat relaxed session after the, like heart-pounding marathon that was our last one. <laughs> That's true. What a good one to play in person, though. <laughs> All right. Everybody good for next week? Yeah. Yeah. We should yep. yeah. Cool. Till then. All right. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. See you. Good night. Bye.